so good to be with you today. We're going to carry on with what I shared last week about faith to be a prophetic church. This is part two. When I was growing up, my high school years, even though I'd grown up in a Christian home, there were some times that I had ups and downs. Now, when I went away to Bible school, I prayed and said, Lord, I, I really don't want to have these ups and downs. I want to be consistent in my life. And as I prayed, I felt God speak to me and said, if you'll fast, I'll speak to you. So I fasted six days, and the Lord spoke to me and said, on the seventh day, I'll speak to you. That night when I went to bed, after the fasting, I don't know if I was awake, I don't know if I was dreaming, or if it was a vision, but I saw a picture of a window out of heaven, and a hand reached through the window and waved and said, come up here, and I will show you about your life. And I remember going up through the window, I don't know how I got there or anything, but as I went through the window, God showed me many, many different things that would transpire over the course of my life. Many of them have. Many of them, there's still some that haven't. But I still believe God is at work bringing them about. And all through the Old Testament, people either heard God or they saw what God was doing. And God's people have always had supernatural encounters. You see, the Bible says God is the same yesterday, today and forever. He's unchanging. And so if he spoke to his people that way in the past, he's still doing it today. So there's a story in 2 Kings 6, verse 15 to 17. It's a story about Elijah's servant. It says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked around and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Father, I just pray today that you will take these words with simplicity and that you would make them real in the lives and the hearts of your people. I pray that your anointing will rest upon me and barriers will be broken and lives will be liberated from your word. I ask this in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. In the New Testament, we can look at the life of Paul and see how he operated in the spirit. Paul also lived in a revelatory realm, seeing and hearing just as Jesus did. In Acts, the ninth chapter, verse 3 through 19, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I've got a lot of scriptures today, but it's a story of Paul with soldiers on his way to Damascus to persecute the Christians of the church. And as he was traveling, it says, about noon, a great light appeared, and it knocked him off his horse. It was so bright. And he and the soldiers 
heard a voice speaking, saying, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul spoke up and said, well, who's speaking to me? And the voice said, it is Jesus of Nazareth who you're persecuting. Then the voice told him to get up, to go into Damascus, go to a street called Straight, and there there would be a man named Ananias who would pray for him, and his sight would be restored. You see, when he got up, that bright light had blinded him, and his soldiers were going to have to lead him by the hand to get him to Damascus. And as he, when he went into Damascus, he was there three days, and then Ananias, Ananias showed up. But again, it says that Ananias had a vision, and God spoke to Ananias and told him exactly where to go to find Paul and to pray for him, and he would receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Ananias did that, and Paul was filled by the Holy Spirit. Then the scripture says he was led then out into the desert. So the supernatural was a part of Paul's life from his first encounter with Jesus Christ. But when you look in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2, Paul speaks with humility. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know, but God knows. He was caught up into the third heaven. Now, I've never been to the third heaven. Sounds like a place I'd like to go because there, it seemed like there was much revelation taking place. And 2 Corinthians 12, as you read on in verse 3 and 4, and it says, I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know, but God knows, was caught up into paradise. And he heard inexpressible things, things that no one were permitted to tell. In other words, again, not only was he caught up into the third heaven, but he was caught up into paradise. And there he heard inexplicable things that were not lawful for him to utter. Things that were so amazing that he had to keep to himself. What that says to me is there's more than what we've experienced because Paul is a man just like you and I. Last week I shared about Jesus being our prophetic example. But now we want to look at Paul because of his humanity. He was completely human. It says he did not boast about his encounters. In fact, he says, I know a man. That speaks of complete humility. True humility is not seeing yourself less than or greater than you are. It's operating from a position of who we are in Christ. So often today, I hear people talking about this encounter and that encounter, and this angel told me that, and that angel told me this. We need to be like Paul, walking with humility and being who God has called us to be. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18, Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more, more than all of you. Yet he knew when to speak, when the people could understand him. You see, Paul understood that when he spoke in tongues, it edified himself. He understood that when he spoke in tongues, he was always praying according to the will of the Father. Paul realized when he spoke in tongues, he was always praying the will of the Father. If speaking in tongues is so, was so important to Paul, 
And it was so important to the early church because Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit has been given. Don't you think we need the Holy Spirit today to lead us and to guide us and to come alongside us? In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10, it goes on and says, God reveals the secret things by his Spirit. I don't know about you, but I like secrets. I like to know things. And God's secrets are far greater value than it is to hear any man's secret. In 1 Corinthians 2.16, Paul goes on and writes and says, you have the mind of Christ. And we as Christians need to recognize that. Statistics say that we use less than 10% of our mental ability and capacity. God has more for us. We need to be moving always from the natural realm to the spiritual realm, renewing from earth to heaven's thought process. You see, Paul in humility accomplished great things. He wrote more books in the Bible, saw the dead raised, saw supernatural miraculous things transpire. He understood the importance of speaking in tongues. He realized that God reveals his secrets through the Spirit. And he realized that God, through the Spirit, would transform his thinking process. Let's remember, there's more than what we have experienced. I've tasted the more, and I'm, you know what? I'm not satisfied with the status quo. I want more from God. And the day we're living, we need the Holy Spirit more than ever. He is called the Comforter the helper, the one who comes alongside of us to assist us in all areas of life. When I used to pastor a church in Durban, Joanna was only four years old, and I taught her how to hear the voice of God. And on a Sunday night, we had an open worship time where we would just have worship led and we would make room for the Holy Spirit to move. But I used it as a teaching exercise for Joanna. I taught her how to submit to God and if she would resist the devil, the devil would flee and then believe that God wanted to speak to her. And I would say to her, Joanna, let's do that now. And she would say, Jesus, I give myself to you. I yield my life to you. I want your thoughts to be my thoughts. And Satan, I resist you in Jesus' name. I command you to leave right now. And then I would ask her, now ask the Lord, what is the next song the worship leader is going to lead? And you know what? Every time, except one time, she told me the exact next song. And the time she told me when it, the worship leader didn't lead that song, I actually think she was right and the worship leader missed it. But you see, God wants us to know no matter how old we are or how young we are, he wants to speak to us. I remember teaching this in Katy, Texas. And about a week later, the pastor of the church called me. He says, I just want to give you some feedback. There was a plumber from our church who went to the pharmacy and he said, Lord, I'm just going to apply these principles to my life. So Lord, I'd like you to tell me who is going to be the person that waits upon me. And he just, this name Mary came to his mind. So I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to dare to believe you. He went in, did his shopping, got to the counter. He looked on the lady. She didn't have a name tag, but he said, well, God, I'm going to step out and trust you. So he said, hello, Mary, how are you today? And the lady looked at him with surprise and said, well, I'm fine, thanks. How are you? She goes, how did you know my name? And then he didn't know what to do. Should he tell her the truth? 
of what he had done. And he decided to do that. And he said, well, Mary, I was in a prophetic seminar last week and I heard how to hear the voice of God. So I appropriated the principles and coming into the shop today, I said, Lord, who is going to wait on me? And the Lord, I heard the name Mary. And Mary turned to him and said, you're not going to believe this, but last night I lay in bed and I said, God, I don't even know if you're there. I don't even know if you know if I exist, but will you reveal yourself to me? You know, that man speaking to her the next morning, not only was she become a believer, but she was led to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the pastor said she was in church on Sunday morning. You see, God wants to speak to us. I remember ministering in York, England, and as I was ministering, in the middle of the message, I felt just such pain in the areas of my kidney. And I felt like God highlighted a man and said, that man is sitting there suffering with his kidneys. Won't you minister to him now? And I stopped and I pointed my finger at him and said, Sir, the Lord's telling me that you have a kidney problem and he wants to heal you. And the guy's wife sitting next to him says, Oh no, he doesn't have a kidney problem. And the man said, Actually, I do. I've been to the doctor. I'm scheduled to go tomorrow, but I didn't want to tell my wife till I knew what the outcome was. I didn't want her to worry. God instantly healed that man. You see, God wants to use us to make a difference. I remember someone called me and asked would I come and pray for their husband. They said he has about a week to live. I got to the house and he was emaciated. And on the way over, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And how do you want me to do this? And I took taken a young man with me. And when we get on the way there, the Lord said, I want you to send them out of the room because they don't believe, just like Jesus sent them out of the room because they didn't believe. And he raised the little girl up. So when I got there, I said to the, the wife and the family members, would you mind just leaving us and letting us pray for him in this room privately? And they were happy to leave. And as we began to pray, I, didn't, I just didn't feel anything to begin with. So we just talked for a while. Then the Lord said, this man has felt guilty his whole life because he felt I'd called him to ministry and he never yielded to ministry. And I want you to tell him I've never held it against him. When I told him that, tears began to run down his cheeks. As he lay in bed, he was emaciated. His stomach was bloated. He had growths the size of grapefruits under his arms and in his, on, in his groin area. And as I said, he had only about four days left to live. And the Lord says, I want you to take authority over a spirit of death, command it to go in the sea, and then I want you to punch him in the stomach. And my immediate response was, oh Lord, if I punch this guy in the stomach, I'll kill him for sure. And I wrestled with my thoughts, and then I just said, Lord, I take authority in Jesus' name over a spirit of death that's hanging on this man, and I command it to go in the sea. And this man speaks up, and he says, oh, did you see that black thing leave? And I said, no, I didn't see anything. But you know what? Him saying that, he pointed to a window behind me, and directly behind me, about a kilometer away, was the ocean. And I knew what God had spoken to me was true. So I said, Lord, I'm going to take, I said, Lord, can I just tap his stomach and not punch him? And the Lord, you know what he said to me? And I've learned an invaluable lesson. 
God will never ask us to do something we don't have faith to do. So he said, as your faith, so be it unto you. So I just tapped him on his stomach. Guess what? His stomach went instantly flat. The growths under his arms and his groin instantly disappeared. He hopped out of bed, just a skeleton, and began to praise God. His wife and children ran into the room. And when she ran into the room, the Holy Spirit hit her. She fell, onto, fell back, hit her head on the floor. Out pops her hearing aids. And she was out for about 10 minutes. I didn't know if she was out from the Holy Spirit touching her or because she had hit her head. But when she got up, guess what? She didn't need her hearing aids. God had healed her hearing as well. You see, that's the God we serve. He wants to speak to us. He wants to show us what to do. In Romans 12, verse 6, it says, Let us prophesy to the proportion of our faith. In other words, we don't need to try to raise the dead when we haven't even prayed for a sick person before. Let's start where we're at. Dare to believe and begin to step out. In Ephesians 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us to do in advance. Can you imagine good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do? I remember someone telling me of a dream they had of that they died and they went to heaven and they were being ushered around heaven. They were taken into a massive room and they saw all sorts of packages and that were all wrapped up neat. And this person took them over to a pile and he saw his name on the packages and he just wanted to tear into the packages and open them up. And the angel said, hey, wait a minute, just wait a minute. That was all the things that God had prepared in advance for you that you never partook of. Wow. Let's not let fear restrict us from stepping out in faith. Let us adventure with God. What are some practical things we can do in becoming a prophetic culture? One, let's have a desire for the prophetic. A desire to hear and to see what God is on about. You know, many people have desire, but because of the lack of discipline, they never enter into the delight of seeing accomplished what God wants to accomplish through them. So it requires discipline, and that discipline takes place as we listen to God, that our desire is that we will hear God, and we were made to communicate with God, and God wants us to spend time in his presence so we can listen to him. Then let's ask for the prophetic. Father, let me begin to activate your prophetic gifting in me. You see, it's God's desire that we all operate in the prophetic. Remember last week where in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 31, it said that all can prophesy. So prepare yourself for the prophetic. You do that through intimacy, spending time with him. And as you spend time with him, it's like talking on the phone. You recognize your wife or you recognize your friend's voice. The more time you spend in his presence, the more you'll begin to recognize the voice of God. And you do it also through worship and you do it through prayer. And prayer is not just you bringing a shopping list to God. It's you just basking in his presence, asking what is on his heart that I need to hear then believe you are prophetic. 
and then begin to operate in the prophetic. Begin to step out, move in faith. Everything in the kingdom of God operates in faith. It requires risk. What does he say? Nothing ventured, nothing gained. We must step over our fear, fear and then expect prophetic results. Expect divine appointments. Expect salvations. Expect healings and supernatural encounters. Remember in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, Paul states, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Let's submit to God. Let's resist the enemy. Let's tell him to flee and expect God to start using us today to make a difference. Will you pray with me today? Father, you say the righteous are as bold as a lion. I pay for release of love over your church because perfect love cast out all fear. I pray that fear would be gone in Jesus' name. I command anxiety to go. I command the lies of the enemy to cease. I speak peace over your people and the church. I ask for a release of faith so we can accomplish the good works you prepared in advance for us to do. You say those that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. I ask for supernatural encounters, divine appointments, signs and wonders and miracles that we the church would be a blessing to all people around us. Father, I pray let the church be the church and bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray your blessing upon us today in Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you today, and I trust that you will begin to believe that you are God's prophetic church.